0: So let's open uh, just this time of hearing from the Lord in prayer. We're we're reading from the scripture. We're going through the book of Ephesians. This is part one of spiritual warfare. Everyone's got a different idea in their head when they think about spiritual warfare. There's so much out there on spiritual warfare. This is part one. Uh, Next week is the big guns. That's part two. And then part three will be on June 19th. Pastor Jack Murphy from Pine Mills Church have asked him to come and speak on spiritual warfare. He spoke to our men's retreat. He was phenomenal, uh, just a great down-to-earth guy. Uh, came to Christ later in life. Has some amazing things, stories to share. So he'll be coming on June 19th for part trace of uh, spiritual warfare. But today's part one, Ephesians 6:10 to 17 about the armor of God, and so. Uh, We are going to talk about this today, but please join me in prayer that God would speak to us by his spirit, for he is our teacher. Heavenly Father, I lift up this message to you. I lift up the scriptures, the written word, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe life into the written word and that it would come to life for us, that it would become for us the word of God to us and that we would experience the power that is in your word, the power that's in meditating on your word and knowing your word. And uh, let us be empowered to live live life in you and in your victory uh, as we consider this topic of spiritual warfare. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, who here has thought about spiritual warfare today? Nice. Yeah, there's a couple of you. Praise God. Praise God. That's awesome. Uh, who's thought about spiritual warfare this week, this month, this year? You, know, I'm, not gonna, you know, I'm not trying to, to make anyone feel weird or anything. But the point is, uh, not many people give a lot of thought to spiritual warfare. Thank God that some people do. And after today, I hope that we all will think about it a little bit more because it's, it's a very important thing to think about. Um, basically, with spiritual warfare, what I found is there's people that love it, They love to talk about it. They love to read books on it. And they're really into it. And that's one polarity. And then the other polarity is people that are like, I'm not even sure if there is spiritual warfare. And they're all Christians, but they have different polarities. Like one, some people are juiced about it and some people are skeptical slash it almost doesn't exist. But it's very important that we come into a right understanding of this because maybe we're losing battles because we don't believe or understand what's going on in the unseen realm of the spirit. And, I, and that's a tragedy to lose battles. A lot of us have this kind of idea in our mind. I struggle, we say, from time to time with my small things behaviorally. Sometimes I struggle with my thinking about God. I struggle with doubt. But that's just me. That's just me having my own thing. I, this is how it's always been for the last 20 years. This is my cycle. But what if there's a spiritual warfare element to those struggles? And you're losing and continuing in these kind of thoughts and, and behaviors because you are not knowing that there's something else going on. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? And I think that that is the truth. There is something else going on. The way the world actually is, is there is a spiritual realm and there is spiritual stuff happening that we cannot necessarily see. And we're at a severe disadvantage when we don't acknowledge its existence. You know, uh, Soldiers who are fighting in battle, the front lines of battle, they're not aware of what's going on in the rest of the battle. They're kind of focusing on their little piece of it. But at least they're aware, aware that something's happening and that other things are happening and there's a war going on. But many of us, we might be on the front lines of battle, spiritually speaking, but we not only don't know there's a, there's a war, we just think this is just me, this is my stuff. And we're totally isolated from this 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 thing that's happening around us. And I'm thinking that we need to start realizing there's a spiritual battle happening. And especially, I was, I was reminded this week by someone who's a true, amazing saint in this church. Uh, she, she reminded me this week, she said, I, I've been praying, and, and she shared some of the things she was praying about, and they were big prayers for New Life Fellowship. Big prayers. She's been praying that God would protect our church, that God would keep us safe, that God would put his armor on us, as a church. And that touched me a lot because she said, you know, God's doing something in our church. This is the time when the enemy attacks, when we're actually doing things for God. Uh, This is the time when the enemy looks down and says, nope, don't like that. I'd like to do something about that. I'd like to oppose that. So I'm praying extra hard about that. I was convicted by that. I thought, wow, that's a wise perspective. When God is at work, uh, especially, we should be praying for protection. There's something about uh being a Christian. We are hated by the adversary. The Bible calls the adversary Satan. There's also spiritual powers and principalities of darkness that are under the control of Satan. Minions of Satan, non-yellow minions. You know, we're not we're not talking about the cartoon. We're talking about spiritual powers uh, and authorities that are underneath Satan. And and Satan hates us. He hates us. Can you I mean we have, some of us have a difficult time thinking about like a person that hates us. Oh, you know, we can't stand that thought that someone doesn't like us out there. You know, we're people pleasers. But no matter what you do, Satan hates you. And the powers of darkness hate you. And he hates you because he hates God. And God has placed upon you his love and affection. When we were still enemies with God, sinning, Jesus died for us. God died for us when we were still opposed to him. He has decided to place his unconditional love and affection on us. He died for us, and the enemy just hates us because we are the apple of God's eye. And the, it says in the scriptures that the, the enemy, uh, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. That's just not a pretty picture. <laughs> Yet, many of us, especially in the culture of North America, where the spiritual realm basically may as well not exist at all in our worldview, it's the forgotten center, right? In this culture, we, we don't even know anything's going on. One of the greatest uh, issues in, in North America is that I think that Satan has basically convinced people in this, in this culture in North America that he doesn't exist. And in doing so, he's rendered us powerless to really think about the fact that we're in a battle and pray about these things and pray against the attacks of the enemy or think about things like the armor of God, which is what we're talking about today. Um, In other parts of the world, uh, where they have a more supernatural worldview, places like Africa, South America, there's seriously scary demonic manifestations happening around the world that people can see. A friend of mine... My best friend growing up, he went to Africa as a missionary, and he's not a sensationalist at all. But when he was there, they were in this village, and there were these balls of fire that were manifested that were preventing people from passing from one place to another place. And everyone just said, yeah, it's just these spirits over the town. Crazy stuff. We have Sutton Sina Lao come here uh, sharing stories of supernatural things that happened in Cambodia. They've seen, you know, these are rational intelligent, college-educated people, and they've seen these manifestations in other parts of the world. But in North America, the, the big thing that Satan's done here is basically convince us there is no spiritual realm, there is no spiritual powers, there is no spiritual attack. If he was to manifest, he does manifest sometimes physically in the United States. However, it's almost better if he doesn't. It's just better for people to not think he's there at all. And he can win the battle without any effort. I think it's the smartest battle plan possible. And that's kind of what we face in, in North America Although I know that some of you have seen you know, bad stuff physically manifested, but it's just not not as typical in this culture where we have forgotten that there is a spiritual realm altogether. Like I said, this this topic of spiritual warfare is a big topic, and there is a lot of stuff on it. And some of it is really loosey-goosey stuff that you read it and you're like, I don't even know what these guys are talking about. And I think that that's one of the reasons people kind of shy away from it as well, it seems not understandable, incomprehensible to understand, like, how do I deal with this? And How do I deal with that? and, And people have these books with very specific things in them. But really, in spiritual warfare, we're trying to protect ourselves from very practical things. And we see from looking at the armor that Paul has very practical things in mind when he's talking about the protection that we need. You can kind of infer from the armor that he chooses to talk about. He's trying to protect us from... Doctrinal wrongness, which is what we think, that's one of the things that we're being protected from with in spiritual warfare. and the other thing that we're being protected from is behavioral wrongness, which is what we do. And many times what we think when we when we get like the wrong thoughts about God, it leads to behavioral wrongness, which then can lead back into theological wrongness. Uh, these two things of having wrong thoughts and then wrong behaviors are things that take people down all the time. This is, so this pie-in-the-sky, spiritual warfare kind of, kind of books that have all this stuff in them that we don't quite understand and some people like and some people don't, fundamentally, very practically speaking, wrong ideas and bad behaviors are how the devil gets us. And in these, in these work in tandem to each other. Think about people you've known that have stopped coming to church, stopped being a part of Christian community altogether, forsaken their faith. You know, Where did they go wrong? Sometimes it's a behavioral thing where they just kind of get sucked into a really bad behavior that they become committed to as a Christian. And then they're so com- they become so committed to that bad behavior, their heart hardens up, and they develop basically a, th- a thought process to rationalize that behavior. And it reinforces the behavior, and they just go further and further away from God their heart gets harder and harder and pretty soon you couldn't lug that person back into Christian community, you know, with, with a truck you know, a chain, you just couldn't do it because people don't, people don't realize how, how malleable the heart is but our hearts can harden, and soft, can harden very easily and sometimes it takes a lot of intervention from the Holy Spirit and from Christian community to, to break through to someone whose heart's hardened up. So that's a be, way of being led astray behaviorally but think about uh, someone being led astray in their, in their thoughts about God they start thinking, you know, they they've received the gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, faith alone in Jesus Christ. But they kind of start thinking, I don't really think that I'm that bad of a person. I don't really need that kind of forgiveness, and and they kind of go in that direction, and then their behavior gets wonky. And then they, you see how this happens. People get dragged away, and so the armor and spiritual warfare, it's it's about protecting us from wrong thinking. It's about protecting us from bad behaviors, which together can often harden our hearts and lead us astray and get us dragged off, drug off, literally, uh, by the adversary. That's why Ephesians says in uh, Ephesians 4.27, I preached on this, do not give the devil a foothold. And what it's saying is, the devil's got cleats. He reaches into your life and he, he gets a foothold. And then it becomes easy to step up into someone's life. We are so... Vulnerable, and we have to be thinking about not giving the devil a foothold, uh, about being wholehearted, not half-hearted, not being drug away and, and attacked. Now, for myself, just very personally, I have not been a Christian my whole life. I've been a Christian for uh, 15 years. Before I was a Christian, I did believe in God. I believed that there was a God. I'd never doubted that there was a God for some reason. And I'm not saying that's something special about me. It just is, I'm telling you my story, my personal story. Now, once I became a Christian and I received the gospel of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, I can honestly tell you I haven't doubted the efficacy of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me since I received the gospel 15 years ago. And the reason is probably because I'm such a bad dude, you know? <laughs> like, if I, if, if I can't be saved by grace, then I can't be saved at all. Like, I realized that I... Got, I I am desperately in need of the grace of Christ. And so I haven't really wavered on on the gospel. So by thinking on the gospel, by thinking about God, I'm just not someone who generally has trouble uh, doubting those different things. So what does the enemy try to do with me? What does he try to do with me? What do you think? What would you do? He tries to get me behaviorally. (laughs) That's what he tries to do. I'm just being completely honest. He tries to get me behaviorally. He tries tries to get me to go down different roads. And, you know, my thinking is still intact. But when you start acting badly, uh, because you're just giving in to the attacks of the enemy and kind of participating in the attack of the enemy. So think about this, how how incapacitating this is. To, To think the true things about God, theologically correct things, do the wrong things, feel like garbage about yourself because you know you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it and then and then you think to yourself you know how can god use me i'm such a a jerk you know i'm such a terrible disciple of jesus how can i be a pastor how can i be a cell group leader how can i be a husband whatever the case might be you see how the enemy tries to get me by making me basically behave in bad ways feel bad about it and then renders me useless I've thought about the enemy's plan of attack with me. That's that's what he likes to do, and that's why I'm guarding myself against as I'm going through life. The question for each of you is, how does the enemy attack you? What does he do? Is it, it's not wrong to have doubts and, and questions theologically. I'm just telling you my story. But does he get you through your doctrine? Through your thinking about God? Does he get you through your behavior? Is it a combination of the two? I mean, we have to think about these things, because there is an adversary out there that's trying to take us down, and we need to Kind of just be wise about what's going on in our own lives. So, with that, we are going to go through the passage. Since I've pontificated from my own thoughts for long enough, we're in Ephesians six ten, and I'm going to set this up for you. I want you to just read the first uh, two verses with me. It says, "Finally." This is the end of the letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So right off the bat, I just want you to imagine with me, I know exactly what was happening when Paul made this comment. I know exactly what was going on. He was in jail. And he's a pastor. And what do pastors do all the time? They try to find sermon illustrations. (laughs) So they're like, you know, We used to play a game of it. We were kidding around, but uh, when, when Pastor Bo was here and, and the guys were together uh, years ago, we'd go camping. We played a game called the pastor game where we would try to make anything that happened into a sermon illustration, and whoever was the corniest was the winner. Uh, but this, is, this is something the pastors do all the time. Paul is a passionate pastor. Paul loves the Lord, and he, he is deeply affectionate for the people that he oversees in the church. Like you can, you can read it in his letters. He loves the people that he pastors. And where's Paul when this letter is written? He's in jail, chained to a Roman guard with a full suit of armor. <laughs> So Paul's in jail, and he's not whining about his circumstance. He's like, oh, I count it all joy for the sake of Christ. God will use this. I know it will advance the gospel. He's being an awesome, faith-filled dude. And he looks over, he sees the, the Roman soldier, and he says, this will be a great sermon illustration. Look at that. Look at that guy. That's what it's like to be in Jesus. Be, look at that armor. That's impressive. That's what it's like to be in Jesus. I'm going to write about that. I guarantee you that's how it went down. So it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So fundamentally, what this is saying is, look at the armor, not piece by piece right now. Look at it as a whole. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he pictures God's God's uh, mighty power as being an armor suit on your life. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, the devil's Strategy in your life, the one that you are going to carefully think about how he drags you off, just like I kind of shared with you mine. Um, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's scheme. Put on the full armor, not some of it, because you don't want <laughs> this is where it says in, in Ephesians 4.27, don't give the devil a foothold. What's a foothold? Well, it's when you're like doing the hokey pokey with your Christian faith. Like I'm, I'm kind of a Christian, but I'm kind of not. Sometimes I go here, then I go and shake it all about, you know. It's kind of weird, but. um, Seriously, you want to give the devil a foothold? Uh, Do the hokey pokey with your faith. Put on some of the armor of God. That's a good idea. Put on everything except for the helmet of salvation. I'm not really sure if I'm saved by grace. Well, where do you get the death blow? To your head. So, well done. Now you're a dead body with all the rest of the armor on. Put on the full armor of God for full protection. It's a good idea. Against the devil's schemes. You know how he gets you. It's the same old junk over and over again the last however many years you've been a Christian. You know his schemes. Uh, Put on the full armor, be wholehearted, and be strong fundamentally in the Lord and his mighty power. Now being strong in the Lord, uh, this is talking about the strength of Jesus and what he did in the gospel. Uh, And so I want to talk about that for a minute. I'm going to use our passages from Ephesians to frame this. This is what it means to be in the Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It is by grace you've been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. This is how we are in the Lord, through grace, which means gift, by faith. We've been saved by, by a gift of God through faith, and it's our work. No, it's God's work. It's a gift of God. It's not by work so that no one can boast. This is what it means to be in the Lord. This is something we have to hold on to really tightly. This is how we climb into the full armor of God, by embracing this truth and not budging on it. Ephesians 2, 14 to 17, later on in the same passage, uh, it's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but it applies to us very well. For Jesus himself is our peace, who's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is what God does. He breaks down barriers in human relationships. He set aside in in his flesh... In Jesus' flesh, the law, with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. I love that passage. I always like to say, people come to church in all different kind of, um, kind of states of mind. Some people feel like they're pretty close to God and some people feel very far away, but Jesus came for everyone. He came to preach peace to those who are very far away and those who are near because it's no problem for Jesus to bring anyone to the Father through himself. Uh, he's, he's In his body, he's taken away the barrier and the hostility that separates people from God. So anyone can come to God, anyone, It doesn't matter how long you've wandered. You can come right back to God through Jesus. You can be just as quality of a Christian as someone who never walked away because it's about the quality of Jesus' work, his finished work on the cross, not about, you know, whatever badges you got in your Boy Scout stash or whatever, you know. Uh, It's about Jesus' work, not about our work. This is what it means to be in Christ, being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is what it means to have the full armor of God, to be to dwell within the Lord and the truth of what he did for us. So all the pieces of armor that we're going to look at relate to being strong in the truth of who we are in the Lord, and being strong in the Lord's strength. So first it says in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, uh, these are the things that we don't see that are going on around us when we think we're having our little problems or we're having, a, having an issue with another person or an issue with ourselves. We think all of our struggles are because of flesh and blood. What are you talking about, Paul? Paul? All of our struggles are because of flesh and blood. I'm my flesh and blood is giving me trouble. This this person's flesh and blood is giving me trouble. He's saying, no, your battle is not fundamentally against flesh and blood. There's other stuff going on. Uh, and it talks about different ways of talking about the devil and his his uh, his cronies, uh, the the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You might feel safe thinking, oh, they're in the heavenly realms. I mean. I'm not in the heavenly realms, but unfortunately, earlier in Ephesians, it says that God has lifted us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show his all-surpassing greatness. So we, are, the, we who are in Christ are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms through Christ, um, outside of time, and so we are susceptible to these forces as well. So your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Keep in mind, it's against things you cannot see, dark forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because your battle is against these things and not against flesh and blood, you need to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. So this is very much about resistance. Every piece of armor except for the sword and the one we're going to talk about next week which is the big one, are all just ways that we can, at the end of the day, we can be standing. We can be standing strong. So he talks about standing firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So the belt of truth, uh, he was looking at this Roman soldier and he saw, he's got this kind of weird fanny pack on. It's a belt. It's a little awkward. Uh, it's, it's a belt. Uh, it, it protects his hips, his groin, his thighs, kind of this, this tender area, and it's, and it's covered there. And this belt of truth is, is something, if, if you read in Ephesians 4.14, it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. There's so much error out there. There's so many things that are not true that are being peddled as being the truth of God out there. There's people trying to seed things that aren't true into Christians, and you are exposed to these things at all times. But what this is saying is, put on a spiritual piece of armor in the Lord, in the Lord's strength, to fight against a spiritual attack where the enemy is trying to introduce waves and and, and winds of teaching that are incorrect into your life. Because not everything that you hear is the truth. So we ask the Lord, put on this belt in the spiritual realm to protect me from the error of the enemy. Another way to translate the schemes of the enemy, you know, it talks about the devil's schemes. Another way to translate that is artifice of errors. That means like a house of cards, a house of cards made of wrong teachings. So imagine taking a bunch of index cards and writing wrong teachings on them. You know, there's other ways to heaven except for through Jesus or a relationship with God except for through Jesus. I'm a good person. My works are good enough to save me. And you make these cards. (laughs) You make whatever whatever you like. You know, You, you take whatever teaching you want. Just Google. Someone has come up with a rationale for everything. So just Google it. Write them down in little cards and make a house of cards with them. That's what the devil's trying to get you to do, to make a house of cards with a bunch of wrong teachings, an artifice of error. And the belt of truth is, is something where we say, we need to be in the Lord to be protected from these things. We need to be in the truth. We need to be holding fast to the gospel of our salvation so that we are not torn away and destroyed. And, th- and this thing is protecting a very sensitive part of our body, obviously. Uh, the next piece that we're looking at is the breastplate of righteousness. So this is the piece of armor that is most important to me personally. I'm just being very transparent when I talk about this. The breastplate of righteousness refers to, it says in Ephesians 4, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It's talking about behavior there. And for me, the most important thing for me to do is live up to the calling that I've received in God, the high calling to try to, to, in my behavior, to conduct myself in a holy way in line with how Jesus has valued me and in line with the gospel that has forgiven me. I need the breastplate of righteousness to protect me from the onslaught on my character. This is an integral piece of armor. It's about someone being, what do they call that? Congruent, right? So your behavior and your thinking are matching. That's peace. When When the things that you think, which are true, matches your behavior that's righteousness. That's justice. That's truth. And that's what I need more and more of as a Christian. Uh, This is how the enemy tries to get me in this behavioral stuff, you know, trying to get me to go this and that way. But I need the the supernatural uh, strength of God and the protection of God to protect me and my character so that the things I believe match the things I do so I'm a congruent and whole and righteous person. The breastplate of righteousness, very impactful for me. Maybe for some of you, that's impactful. This week, it's been awesome to read this. It's reminded me, we need to be praying and asking God for his protection, staying strong in the Lord. Uh, The next piece is, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And we just, we read this already. Roman soldiers wore these cleat-like shoes so they could stand and be secure on the ground for when they're doing battle or or when they're uh, resisting another person. This goes back to the passage we read before, that Jesus Christ himself is our peace. He has proclaimed peace to those who are near and peace peace to those who are far away through his own body, Jesus Christ. God has preached peace over us, and and it's something that's transcendent. It's something that, um, irregardless of our behavior and what we do, we're saved by grace, and we've been given peace with God through Jesus Christ as a free gift, something we don't earn. And And standing with those cleats firmly in the ground and saying, I'm at peace with God. Any, anything can come my way and, and, and make me lose my peace. I might you know behave in bad ways, sin. Uh, you know, I might doubt these different things. But I'm, I have the peace knowing that I am at peace with God through his free gift. And so I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be picked off by the enemy. I am strong in the strength of the Lord in peace. This is one of the most interesting pieces to me. This is the shield of faith, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is a giant shield that can protect the whole torso of a person. And and the shield was made of wood, a Roman soldier's shield that Paul was looking at. It was a shield that was made of wood with a layer of uh, calfskin on it and a layer of fabric on it. And then it had a metal stud right in the middle. And right before battle, they would soak their shield in water so that when the firing arrows hit the shield, the arrows would be extinguished. Whenever you see like fiery anything in the Bible, it's not good. These are particularly destructive thinking patterns, thoughts, that that really can cause someone to teeter on the brink of losing their uh, faith in Christ altogether. If you look in Galatians, uh, Paul says, who has bewitched you to the Galatian church? Because they had, they had allowed this fiery arrow to hit them. Uh, uh, they received the gospel of salvation by grace through faith, and then someone said, well, you know, you can't be saved just by Jesus. You also all need to be circumcised. And then they they said, oh, maybe that's true. Maybe we need to be circumcised to be saved. And that fiery arrow hit the Galatian church. And Paul was very, very upset about this. And he uses some choice words to set them straight. You can read it yourself. Paul is is enraged by this, and he's really angry about this because he knows this fiery arrow that's not just through Jesus but also through the things I do, if you don't believe in the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ to save you, then that's going to take you in a bad direction. It'll take you away from a relationship with God through grace, by faith, and, and towards a, a worse uh, ending. And that, that's what these fiery arrows are. They're, particularly, they're doctrines that undermine the whole message of the gospel. And if you're not believing the gospel at the end of the day, then... Where are you saved by? You're going to go before God and say, well, you know, circumcision, the gospel, you know. No, it's by Jesus' sacrifice alone through faith. And the the shield dipped in the water extinguishes those fiery arrows. The helmet of salvation, now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. This is when you're in hand-to-hand combat. So this is when... All else is failing in, in your battle with, with the dark forces and, and, and the thoughts and the behavioral attacks on yourself. This is when the enemy is going for the kill shot. Uh, when you're going into this hand to hand combat, put on the helmet of salvation and pick up the sword of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation, this is Ephesians 2 8 through 10. It's by grace you've been saved. What a relief! By faith, this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. No matter what wrong thinking and attack the enemy throws at you, you have this helmet of salvation. Your your salvation is secure through your faith in the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. Uh, Your salvation is secure. There's no one that can take that from you unless you willingly renege on it and get rid of it. Uh, that That protects you in this vital moment, and finally, the only offensive weapon it mentioned is the sword of the spear, which it says is the word of God. Now, f- for this one piece of armor, I want to deviate from my Ephesians passages and look at um Romans ten eight to eleven and seventeen. Uh, certainly, the whole Bible is useful against the artifice of error, the house of cards of the enemy trying to throw at you and destroy you and undermine you in your thinking and in your behavior. The whole Word of God is useful for that, the Old and the New Testament. But in this passage, it's saying, hold on to the gospel of your salvation. That's what this is talking about in particular. Uh, In Romans 10 8, it says, But what does it say? The Word is near you. The Word of God is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Amen? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is the word that we hold on to. And this is our offensive weapon. So whenever there's a, a spiritual attack, when someone's trying to undermine your behavior, your thoughts, uh, in, 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 in these kind of difficulties and struggles that we have, remember this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's all God's work from first to last. So this is the armor of God. These are th- we are told to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We are we are told to, to to think through this idea of being in the Lord and to ask him to protect us uh, with with these things. And and as we pray, as we are aware of the enemy's schemes, as we put on these different pieces of armor through prayer, we are going to see the reality of what we've been missing out on. And you know the truth is that this week I realized that there was a couple of things I just had been attributing to myself. And, and and I stood up underneath those struggles in a different way this week. I said, you know, Lord, this is, I'm seeing from the scripture that this is a spiritual attack. You know, this is something that, yes, I have a part in, but this is a spiritual attack. So I ask that you would put your armor on me. I ask that you put that breastplate of righteousness on me, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, all these different things. And it was just different. It was really different for me to experience uh, what it means to be protected by God and not just relying on myself to take care of myself and to keep myself safe from all these different attacks. I mean, we're supposed to be strong in the Lord, not strong in ourselves. We're supposed to be strong in the armor of God, not strong in ourselves. And so no amount of resolve, no amount of whatever it is you might do in your, in your flesh— um, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual powers and authorities. Shift your thinking and begin praying in a different way. Begin looking at yourself as part of a, a cosmic battle for your soul where someone is trying to take you away in one way or the other and drag you off, and someone is offering you salvation and protection. Take it. Take hold of it. And next week we're talking about the biggest offensive weapon of all, which is prayer. Uh, in particular, supplication. It's about praying for yourself effectively and praying for other people. Because just like we get to be so self-centered in our spirituality, but just as you have your little battles and spiritual attacks, everyone around you in your church is having the same experience. They need you to pray for them and remind them that the Lord is for them, that you are for them, and that we support one another. So that's what we're talking about next week. Uh, Please join me in prayer as the worship team comes forward. This, is, this song is a reminder to us theologically that the Lord does not let go of us, so we should not let go of him. Uh, the Lord is faithful. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this, uh, this time of teaching and talking and equipping. I know, that, I know, I know saying these words even, that, that in the spiritual realm, that dark powers, uh, satanic powers are shuddering because they do not want your people to pray. I pray for your protection over myself and over this church. I pray that you would, you would uh, inspire people in this church to, to pray uh, bigger prayers, to not, to not maybe beat themselves so much up over their own stuff, but to realize that they are part of a battle. It's not all just them. And I pray that you would show yourself to be strong as we place yourselves as a church in your mighty strength. And I pray your protection over each of us, myself, our families, this church. Uh, that we would be in Christ, that we would be safe in that full suit of armor for full protection. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen.